Hey guys, David here. Just wanted to give you a little heads up before this episode starts that we have had a little bit of trouble with uh, the fidelity of our audio recordings uh, in a few of the upcoming episodes, including this one. Uh, and in some cases, including this one, it has uh, unfortunately meant that we have to use the raw recording of our Zoom call uh, for the audio because of the issues that we had with our separate individual records. So just a little warning in advance that the audio quality of this episode is not great, uh, but hopefully you'll still be able to enjoy it. Uh, we are both doing a little bit of learning as we go when it comes to the uh, sound production side of this uh, this whole podcasting gig, so our apologies if in the next few episodes there are a few that either have to use the Zoom uh, audio or might be a little bit choppier as we kind of piece things together, but uh, those issues by the time you're listening to this have all been resolved, um, so hopefully it won't affect more than a few episodes. But uh, please enjoy, uh, and we hope you keep listening. Hello and welcome to the what episode is five? Five. To the fishy fifth issue. Oof. I'm I'm the the last for the list of names and the credits who I get the joke name. Have you? <laughs> uh, there's a like constantly running gag in like obviously referencing Stan Lee and how he would do like smile and Stan and like every member of the creative team would get a nickname like that. <laughs> There's like a running gag in a lot of those Silver Age issues where the colorist, uh, S. Rosen, is like just not given a nickname where it'll be like smile <laughs> and Stan Lee, Jack King, Kirby, like magnificent uh, or, or like Regal Roy Thomas, things like that. And then the last one will just be and S. Rosen. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the reason that that came to mind is because in one of the issues of, no spoilers, but Superman Adventures, oh. um, there was like, you know, like Super Scott McCloud towering Tina Turner. Tina Turner <laughs> was, the, was the letterist. Um, and, then, and then the editor was like, Lil whoever. <laughs> Which is always a good bit in my book. Yes, but anyway, the, uh, is... the editor is often the one who gets like the the joke name or uh, or similarly oh. downplaying name. Although I believe Rosen was the letterer. I want to say. Anyways, this is no. This is actually good. This is what the podcast is. <laughs> uh, but more importantly, this is the fishy fifth episode. Oof. What what do we do? We call these issues. We call these volumes, right? Uh, we haven't really settled on the naming scheme yet. <laughs> Let's work out our branding right now. Uh, but this is nonetheless the fifth episode of Got the Runs, the podcast about comics auteurs. What do you think of that? Oh, yeah, that's fine. I came up with that last night. <laughs> <laughs> How to describe? Yeah, I mean, I don't How know. Can... I don't know that I would necessarily call like certainly Scott McCloud is an auteur, but I'm sure we'll cover people who are like almost definition like company men, you know. Mm, I suppose, yeah. Well, back to the drawing board, as comics artists are always saying. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit of tie in there, but today we are covering. Uh, something that's a little far afield of you know what we've been talking about. Yeah, it's totally in the different. episodes leading up to this. But I'm sure 
is probably closer to a lot of the things that we'll be talking about mm -hmm. uh, in the future of the show. But we are talking about Superman Adventures, issues 2 through 13, written by Scott McCloud, the very one. Scintillating the very Scott same. McCloud. Uh, smiling Scott McCloud. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I'm pleased that you brought this up because it is a weird, like, thing. Uh, obviously, in our, like, Secret Origins episode, we talked about how like superheroes were the on-ramp for both of us as it is, or I would say they are for um, the majority of comics fans, like superheroes are what get them interested initially. Um, and then we proceeded to cover Scott McCloud for four episodes of like him writing his creator owned <laughs> um, yeah. kind of like indie riff on superheroes and then like a textbook. <laughs> and so it's funny that we're now getting to superheroes, but the way we're doing it is through the Superman Adventures line, which is like the spinoff of the animated series rather than like a mainline, a mainline comic. Yes, this is the first Marvel or DC comic that we are covering for the podcast. <laughs> Although Superman Adventures is a funny, I, and Batman Adventures for that matter, are both like kind of weirdly celebrated, which makes sense because the shows are also celebrated. But it is, it's funny that like when you're thinking about like good Superman runs, like if you think about good Superman stories, there are a lot that come to mind. But when you think of like, what are the good Superman like runs? Um, like John Byrne is the big one. Uh, but after that, it's like, there's, there's lots of like classic silver age stuff that people who are fans of the silver age are really fond of. Um, but like, as far as modern takes on the character, I wouldn't say there are a lot of like runs that really stand out. I guess like Joe Casey wrote one that's pretty celebrated. Um, yeah, I was, I was kind of trying to like think if I had even, if I've read any, like action comics issues because like i've read superman stories i've read you know superman miniseries whether that's red sun or secret identity speaking of kurt Busiek, mm -hmm. um we were things but... like that <laughs> <laughs> it's he's he's come up many times he has come up um, many times yes in our apps but uh but yeah um so i don't think i i don't know that i've ever maybe i've read death of superman maybe i don't even know that i have yeah, but, I haven't. Although Dan Jurgens would be another example of a run that is, I think, people are are pretty fond of. I've never read it. The Big Lotion, I call him. Dan <laughs> Jurgens. Uh, anyways, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't think I've ever like read a Superman, even even probably a Superman storyline. Like, what is what is a famous storyline of Supermans that takes place in like action comics and? Death and Return Superman of Superman. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, what's so funny about Truth, Justice, and the American Way? Right. Um, yeah. They're all, they're all ones like that. Yeah. I like. I mean, uh, for the man who has everything and uh, whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow are the two yeah. Alan Moore ones, but those are like, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure for the man who has everything is a story in an annual, and whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow is like the last two issues of. <laughs> of like the, the silver or the bronze age so yeah um so yeah the, we we talked about the how it's based on the animated series obviously you can tell very quickly that it's meant to be replicating that art style yeah uh, um, very much so the like the bruce tim signature style very stylized yeah. huge torsos 
tiny legs. <laughs> yes, we will. We will take part in my classic segment shortly. Um, but I, I, I was kind of thinking, like, I, what I was wondering was like, why, why here, why now? For stuff the clouds. Yeah, I was. Like, I was actually going to talk about this more generally because the whole creative team is like kind of insane <laughs> because it's Scott McCloud picking up the series in like 1997 I think so like a few years after in 96 that's right a few but years yes. after understanding comics so he's like the understanding comics guy already yeah all, um, of, all of the letters in the in like talking about it, it's just like yeah like the premises of these stories and then like someone's like yeah like Scott's really like pacing this story it's like you guys are just a bunch of understanding comics and nerds. <laughs> They're buying this comic because Scott McCloud writes it. It's true. Um, so, yeah, it's like, it's weird that he is writing this book. And then Rick Burchett is like already an Eisner winner, I think, at this point for his work on um, the Batman Adventures series. And then the inks are done by Terry Austin, who is like not necessarily like a, a name that you would necessarily expect people to be like, we're going to, what, what, Terry Austin? Um, but he was the inker on John Byrne, uh, like doing the inks over John Byrne on his Uncanny X-Men run. And like, it, it, to just say that he was doing the inks is like a little bit of an understatement. Like I would say it's fair to say he's like embellishing some of John Byrne's art at some points, um, which right. is like one of the most beloved, um, like the Claremont Byrne X-Men issues are, uh like truly beloved uh uh stories and those came out in like the late 70s and early 80s so like this is terry austin further further down the line after having participated in this like like industry redefining book is now now working on superman adventures um and then the colorist is marie severin who is like it's not an understatement to say as a hall of fame like comics artist like literally she's in the, the comics hall of fame <laughs> because she's like such a pioneering uh creator uh and, and like a trailblazer as a woman in the comics industry who worked on like ec comics in the 50s and was like a huge dc person uh in the 60s like it worked worked for all the big publishers and was kind of like one of the first um women to to really work prolifically in comics uh in mainstream comics at least and so it's crazy that, that like when I saw her name, I was like, what? Marie Severin was alive and coloring comics in the 90s. <laughs> uh, I knew she I knew she was alive. She actually died like a few years ago. Um, but uh, but I didn't think she was still working in comics at this point. And I was kind of like, what? <laughs> How did <I> get her? <laughs> Apparently Superman Adventures. Really, I mean, like, it's like I'm wondering if like if this is a Superman book. After a fashion. <laughs> yeah. After a fashion is certainly certainly the way to put it. Um, yeah. I, but I mean, like, compared to, you know, Scott McCloud, who's, like, his history is, like, he was creating his own book and, like, writing and drawing that. And then he, like, created, like, a seminal, you know, work of the comics industry. So, like, why? I guess mainly I'm, like, why did no one hire him? <laughs> or did he just not want to be hired? Uh, I think he chose not to work on it. Um, he has like a little bit on his website where he talks about getting hired. Um, yeah, he says in 1996, I was offered a job writing DC Comics and Superman Adventures, an all ages comic based on the then new WB cartoon. 
I liked the cartoon a lot and was conveniently broke that month. So I figured I'd give it a go. I referred to the stint as my day job at the time. Every other comic I had ever done had been creator owned and written and drawn by me. But in truth, I enjoyed writing these stories and am even vaguely proud of them. Uh, I think he should be more than vaguely proud of them. Like at some of these stories, I would say are among the best Superman stories I've ever read. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll get into it later, but like there's and then this is basically just like a sequel to Zot in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah, definitely. There's big Zot energy the whole way through. Um, but yeah, I think so. I was what, in, in one of the letter columns. Someone is like, hey, why are you making a Superman Adventures comic? And the editor is like, the, the direct quote is, why Superman Adventures? Why not Superman Adventures? <laughs> it's just like, OK, so I mean, it's a TV it, show and you yeah. want to make a comic. But I also feel like. Maybe the thing that drew Scott to the project maybe was like they say very early on the like the the ethos of this book is telling simple stories. So I feel like the sort of like not you know throwback exactly, but yeah, a bit of a throwback in a way. Um, that maybe that is what appealed to Scott, like telling like very like classical kind of superhero stories in a very Scott McCloudy way. Yeah. Um yeah, it, it really does feel like, like, I know he calls it his day job. And I think that was kind of the appeal to him for, of, of the book is that he can take those ideas um, that are kind of uh, secondary in Zot that he clearly is kind of like enamored with, but also wasn't really that interested in exploring at the time compared to some of the more like thematically resonant and, and character driven things. Um, and here it feels like a bunch of things that could have been happening in like the background of any given issue of Zot that he's just like, and instead, like, I'm not going to spend a lot of time necessarily focused on like developing these characters who are already, you know, recognizable to readers and have established sort of personalities and, and character arcs through the show. Um, yeah. I'm just going to focus on like telling, telling these individual stories and um, like having fun with, with the toys that I'm <laughs> able to play with here. Yeah, exactly. Um, so do we do we want to talk about the animated series right now? <laughs> sure. I've I was cover to talk about? I was gonna say I, I've never seen I think even an episode of the the Superman uh, the animated series. It's like I've not either, and also intentionally did no research. Yeah, it's it's um yeah you're too young for it for sure. Like the first episode aired in nineteen ninety-six, so you would have been right like maybe one two not not yeah no one you would have been pushing 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 two by the time uh uh the first season was like fully underway um and uh and i would have been probably basically too young too i was like nine when the series finished and would have been like just getting into the age where um like some of the the appeal of it would be there for me right and i feel like it's something that um has really like faded out of the general, you know, awareness of the population because like yeah, especially people, compared to Batman the animated yeah, series. Yeah, exactly, because people still talk about Batman a lot and like people are still like rewatching Batman and whatever. Mm -hmm. And as far as I know, this was like a well-received series as well. Yeah, anyone I've that ever heard get remembered. Yeah, anyone I've ever heard talk about it uh who like watched it is like it's just as good as Batman the animated series, but I think that Batman is a more popular character in, in culture right now compared to Superman. And that's part of the reason that uh, that the Batman animated series has so much staying power. Whereas like, I think there's a general 
sort of disinterest in Superman as a character among people who are not like fans of Superman. Right. Yeah. I, I was almost wondering if like, this is almost, I think the tipping point of when Batman becomes like the more popular hero because so Superman four is in 1987, mm-hmm. the movie. And then you have Batman, the movie in 1989. And so like this, so Superman Adventure starts in like 96. That's like Batman forever, like Batman mm-hmm. and Robin kind of area. We're like, obviously not at the peak of his powers, but definitely like still like a big, you know, big enough to be getting moved, like giant movies made about him. Whereas Superman is like a decade removed of having didn't get a TV show until the Batman TV show was already successful. Mm-hmm. And, and like so winning like, Emmys. Yeah. Yeah, and so like maybe I feel like this is just, like we're basically at the point where like Superman starts to like slip in his relevance, or maybe that had already happened. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that it had already happened, and and you know it's not like Batman was like an unpopular character, but when you when you think about like the superhero, Superman is the first and therefore like the most important, and and typifies kind of like everything about the genre he's he's like the the prototype um like john cena is that is that what they call john cena john John cena's original wrestling gimmick when he was in ohio valley wrestling Mm -hmm. was the prototype which was just like a robot that wrestles (laughs) (laughs) yes he is a cena-esque in that way um but yeah so like i don't think you can really say that superman has ever been unpopular he's always been one of the right. most immediately recognizable yeah like characters out there but batman you know if superman is number one batman is like number two basically in terms of debut like he's right on the heels of superman and has always uh appealed in in a different way in a more visceral way but like like i said i've never seen um superman the animated series but I'm interested to do so. Whereas like I've tried to watch Batman, the animated series as someone who, you know, again, like it would have, I would have been too when uh, Batman, the animated series came on the air. Right. So like I, I was too young to watch it originally and it wasn't really like running in, in reruns or anything when we were like the more Saturday morning cartoon type age. Right. So I went back to try and watch it later when I was like probably like 19 or 20, knowing that like, you know everyone loves this show and like it yeah. it doesn't really work for me whereas like i'm i'm pretty sure that i think superman would and i think mm. that part of it is because like batman <sighs> batman has always had kind of like a more tragic bent to him um a more uh, like you know the the whole um like Neil's and uh, or Neil O'Neill and Adams influence and Miller influence of like making batman into uh, a really violent character, a fairly dark character who who wrestles with like some pretty um, like adult themes at times. I feel like that is sort of what appeals to people about Batman. And it's hard to like, that's a tricky line to walk in the animated series. Um, right. Whereas Superman is has always kind of been like the image of uh, of, of like wholesomeness. Um, yeah. And, I mean, like and, the the way he's drawn in like the animated series and in this, like it's it's like it's like Justice League: The New Frontier. Like it's a very like classic retro style. Yeah, well, it's funny you say that because uh, Darwin Cook, who is the writer and artist behind The New Frontier, like 
got his start working in animation with Bruce Tim uh, and like worked on Batman the Animated Series. So that's why that's why the style is so evocative to you. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So let's jump into the book. Let's yes. talk about my cover, my most famous segment. You should get a my segment. Cover. <laughs> like over. <laughs> what would my segment be? Um, well, I guess you already kind of have a segment where you talk about award shows. Yeah, uh, uh, my segment is uh, here's 10 minutes on something <laughs> yeah. that is really yeah. interesting to me and not that interesting to you. <laughs> Your segment is the final 30 minutes of the show. <laughs> um, but let's have a look at it. This is a, kind of a terrible cover. <laughs> You're talking um, about the cover to number, number two? Number two, yes. I think okay. it is number two indeed. Um, <laughs> Did you did you didn't read number one? Did you? I did actually. Oh, I did just too. Out of curiosity, yeah. Um, written by Paul Dini, yeah, who is who, also a yeah, you know, animated series. Yeah, Dini and Tim well. are kind of like the the visionaries behind the whole like, right. animated universe at this time. Exactly. So issue two, you have Scott McCloud coming on. Um, so this cover, you've got Metallo, who I correctly identified as Metallo in my notes. Good work. Um, my first note is animated Superman is a chunk. Uh, and I said thick outline with two C's, but I was talking about like the, like the lines. Yeah. <laughs> also, what's going on with Metallo's lower half? It, it kind of like just go, is, is, he, is he getting a wedgie? He's uh, black. Okay. Slacks? So he's, yeah, he's wearing like black, black pants kneeling on the bridge. I think in, what it is is he's wearing like a normal shoes with metal laces. Well, I think they're supposed to be kind of like in shadows, but and he I was guess. wearing like a button-up shirt to conceal his metal form, which has oh, I see. that it's was tucked been, in. Yeah, exactly. See. Okay, never mind. This is good. <laughs> <laughs> I take it all back. Uh, I wrote. I predict this issue will involve a monorail, which I don't believe it did. <laughs> it did not. No, they do appear to be standing on like an incredible style monorail above the city no that's like a suspension bridge oh maybe well we all have different theories about <laughs> what art means <laughs> um and then my other note was that even though it's not scott mcleod drawing this the the woman who we later learned is superman's girlfriend mm -hmm. allegedly uh she looks very manga-ish to me especially like her eyes and her hairstyle uh, you know what i mean I I guess, yeah. I mean, it's it's all it's all in like the kind of animated series house style to me. Like, I don't, I think that it all that, the, like inside the issue, she looks totally different compared to the cover. Yeah, she looks by the like same artist, Mary Jane. Yeah, are they though? <laughs> yes. Are you sure? Yeah, it's Rick Bridget uh, doing the cover and the interiors. Well, I don't know then. Surely, different to me. This is one of our most contentious. Yeah, our, our biggest of, debates. <laughs> I've officially, uh, I've officially renamed the segment to "Just What Is Going On Here" in mm, honor of Scott right. Cloud. <laughs> yeah, but but it, I, anyways, I don't see the uh, this character as being. I'm trying to find her name, which I'm sure is said at some point. But uh, I said by the kindly hot dog vendor. Let me find. Yeah, her. Kelly. <laughs> Oh, of course. Kelly. Kelly and Saul. Uh, 
Yes, the uh, Saul's pretzels <laughs> are us. Some other docks. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> and the, Kelly. And the issue ends. Well, I was just gonna say the issue ends with Saul saying, "Oh, what does he say?" He says, he... "Oh, he says fickleness. Thy name is love." I was gonna say uh, he says something to the effect of like dames. Am I right, Superman? <laughs> <laughs> Superman's um, relationship with women we'll get into that as well. <laughs> uh yeah kelly doesn't strike me as like a particularly like manga-ish character but she does strike me as an extremely scott mcleod character and like this whole storyline is like has has exactly the kind of humor that is like pervasive throughout zot and like she feels really like a vehicle to me for him to to like get the series off on kind of a a Scott McCloud right foot, if you know what I mean. Yes, very, very. A lot of times it's concerned with the ground level characters, which, again, I, I feel like neither of us having seen the series, we might be missing a little bit of context here. But well, I, I, I have to think that the animated series would also be interested because I feel like you hear about a lot of times the animated series like having that level of interest in not Batman, like whether it's the villains, like sort of showing their perspective. Mm-hmm. or focusing it on minor characters and like ground level people more yeah um yeah i think part of the strength of some of these stories is that it's a, like kind of an even split between stories that are about superman and stories that are really about like one of superman's supporting cast with like superman featuring in the background like probably yeah. or as like the engine driving story events yeah hey saul's pretzel stand sells soda <laughs> <laughs> then he says s-o-d-e-r well you may recall that uh, booster gold is sponsored by soda cola oh i don't recall that at all similar to bingo pop i imagine yes um, yeah soda cola is definitely like a dc thing okay well never mind then i'm foiled again <laughs> uh but yes the this issue also features the most scott mcleod joke which is when they're getting into the elevator and then there's the final, like, it's like, he's like, I was flat. I mean, I was walking to work. And then she's <laughs> like, oh, you've got a stutter. And then the last panel is just the elevator doors closing and going thunk with like a beat panel, which is just, I was just like, there's my guy, Scotty Mac. Mm-hmm. I thought, I thought the ending of the issue was also very Scott McCloud with her being like, I've broken up with Superman now that I've seen him with Lois Lane and then being like, sorry, Superman, bye. <laughs> wow, that's a good voice you did. Thanks, that's uh, my stage whisper. Oh, I didn't notice that Saul is wiping a tear away uh, yeah, for, for Kelly and Superman's relationship. <laughs> he was really uh, invested in this. So much so that he almost gets her killed. But we... We promised ourselves we wouldn't break down Go. every issue. Yeah, issue by issue. I mean, that said, I do want to talk about number three briefly because it's one of my favorite stories. Well, actually, that might be generous. It's actually not really one of my favorite stories in the run, but I feel like the framing in here in or in this story of him and Dr. Hamilton, like it's so it starts off with him with the orb. Um, like viewing the history of Krypton because he has this orb that holds all of Krypton's history in it. And then it uh, goes to where he actually is, which is at Star Labs with Dr. Hamilton. 
and they're using the like star labs telescope to look at krypton because they can see it because it's so many light years away from earth that it hasn't yet like disappeared like the light is still reaching earth at this point which yes, i was I like was very this I is was, a great yes, idea this, this is an extremely good idea that superman is going to be able to like look through a telescope at krypton and see it explode yeah it's like, a the light it's hasn't an, reached them yet yeah it's an incredible like character slash like story conceit that i couldn't believe i had like never seen done before or thought of before i feel like usually whenever someone wants to emphasize like the tragedy of krypton they'll it would be like the whole issue would be like he goes in the orb and like you know he talks to jor-el who doesn't recognize him of course and like learns about his home world just in time like to learn to appreciate it just in time for it to be destroyed i feel like it's so much more like interesting and effective to have him like you know he has the orb so he understands the history of it and all that but to have him be able to see it in like actual real time not as part of like an amazing dream or like a simulation we've created um yeah it's, it's and to be and like you know it kind of reinforces the same idea that you're talking about where it's like he can see this happen but he like he has no ability to change anything yeah or inter or and and knows that if like he's seeing it happen quote unquote but also knows that actually it happened like years yeah. ago yeah. um and and i think it's like also a very like kind of scott mcleod conceit um to yeah to to use it as like a framing device in this way for for superman to reflect on how he is carrying on like the legacy of his planet in a just in a way that's very different from how i've ever seen it done before yes the last page is like extremely stop a cloud yes yeah. for the professor saying that like the memory of krypton lives on in you and yeah. then three beat panels which is superman <laughs> looking superman smiling and then a wide shot of the two of them looking at the stars like, yeah the shot of superman that's... smiling is incredible i don't know like i don't know if the, if the script called for his eyes to be different in that panel or really blue yeah or, or like what exactly that is but it's a, it's a great panel yes and then the middle of this issue is superman fighting a giant cat yes <laughs> i was disappointed by this because brainiac is one of my favorite superman villains um and we can't uh, this might be a segue to talk into some uh, about something else that i was interested to discuss with you but yeah brainiac is one of my favorite superman villains and i liked i liked how they resolved the conflict that superman was like i'm gonna smash the orb unless you do as i say and and brainiac is so like determined to own that information and to, like have possession of that information that he's willing to like basically shut himself down in order to preserve it um, yes that's a that's a very like deco slash cybox and like there's something he says in the issue that superman says he's like technology was built to be our servants but never to be our masters <laughs> I was just like, okay scott here you go again <laughs> um but yeah i felt like the overall conflict of like superman fights a bunch of black cat robots i was like oh, this is <laughs> <laughs> this is whatever there's there's so much good stuff in this issue that uh, for the main con like, like the main fight to be like superman versus a giant cat robot i was kind of like wait what's what's going on here yeah that and that's like kind of what i thought the, the whole series would be where it's like scott mcleod is serving two masters where like 
the first four pages and the last four pages are like his story and then the middle is just like a bunch of punching because mm -hmm. we going back to issue one <laughs> issue one is like an absurd it's like almost a parody of like what a not that interesting superman story is right where it's like lex luther creates superman but he's an even more powerful version of Superman. <laughs> yeah. And what will Superman do? He'll be stronger than yeah, this. Reveal, reveal that him. actually Lex Luthor doesn't even understand how strong he really is. Yeah, and it, it does reveal a certain preoccupation with Superman's like power level, which I feel like the best Superman stories, it's just understood that like he is extremely powerful he's strong enough to do whatever it is the story calls on him to need to be able yeah, to yeah exactly it's, and, it's the same as it's the same as zot where like and they, there's even a similar shot where like you have people on the street like watching and applauding superman and cheering him on right like, in zot um where it's just like yes like superman's going to win and like that the the fact that he is going to win every fight is kind of ancillary to yeah. the story that's being told. Exactly. Like a good writer is going to find a way to get you invested in the story in a way that's not like, how is Superman going to <laughs> like get the you know, it's less about like, will Superman be able to punch this guy hard enough to to win the fight? And more about like, how will Superman end up in the position where he is able to throw that punch that we already know will end the fight? Or like or finding a way to make it be like, here's why you should care that when Superman gets his opportunity to punch this guy and win his fight, it matters. Yeah. Like a good, I feel like a good example of that is where is uh, issue four, where the conflict is that Superman's really heavy. <laughs> but yes. But it's really about like Jimmy Olsen, like. Yeah, it's, learning it's a Jimmy story. Learning about work-life balance. <laughs> well, yeah, learning about work-life balance and also learning like how to follow his dreams and yeah, like various various things of that nature. Yes, and and ending with him getting paid thirty five dollars for his close up pictures. Of Superman. Yeah, which even even by uh, mid nineties standards, Jimmy, like, come on. Yeah. Like, how much was Peter getting paid for pictures of Spider-Man in the 2002 movie? <laughs> uh, like $200 or something like that. Like what Jimmy's asking for. Uh, yeah. There's the, there's the classic like scene where J. Jonah Jameson is like, crap, crap, crap. Double crap. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, kid. They're all garbage. I'll give you 200 bucks for them. <laughs> yeah. I'll take them off your hands. Yeah. Uh, yes. But, and then the, but we can move on to, I feel the like live, sort of the like live wire the, issue. Yes. The, the, the issues middle, issue as I have been thinking about it. This middle sort of section has some very interesting issues. Um, yes, namely this live wire one where Livewire who this is her first comics appearance. Yes. Uh, she is an like original character, Quinn. yeah, for the for the show. Yes, and she wasn't introduced into the mainline DC universe until like 10 years after this. So, like, this is by far, and I think she also appears later in the Superman Adventures comic and becomes a hero. Um, but anyways, so, yeah, so Livewire, who is, you know, an electricity lady, mm -hmm. she <laughs> she is awoken by essentially Howard Stern. Yeah, I, I was Howard Stern was a thing at the time. <laughs> yes, but the Bob Braxton show is what it's called. But, yeah, I was like, 
it feels so pointedly Howard Stern that I was like, I wonder if there was a controversy around this time where like Howard Stern went on some rant about like women. Am I right? Wasn't that just <laughs> but, like every? I think it was just like a general controversy of like that Howard Stern says the most outrageous. Things. <laughs> yeah, you could you could well be right. Um, I do like the lightning bolt that shows up in her eyes when she like comes awake again. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's very good. I do like that she's basically nine Jack nine in terms of like communicating with Lois through her computer, yes, like popping out computer. of the computer. Yeah. Um, but yes, the the main this is such it's so like I feel like it's it's either like so insanely nuanced that I can't believe it exists, or it's <laughs> so like devoid of nuance that it's so stupid. No, I think I think it is nuanced because I I just think it's very like. 90s man reckoning with feminism in that like like he obviously thinks that Livewire is right in so far like he's he, I think Scott McCloud basically at the time held Superman's point of view which is that like Livewire is not wrong that men being in control of everything in the media is a bad thing and he also though is like but that doesn't give her the right to like censor yeah. <laughs> the free press like yeah, this yeah. is this is just a time when like like the whole like free speech thing and free press would have been see, like seen as a really pressing issue the to to uh, like grapple with the idea of a supervillain basically taking it into their own hands to decide who gets to appear on the air. But reading it now, like the things that she does like she's not actually censoring anything she's just saying like if we're gonna say it it has to be said by a woman like yeah she's not controlling what they're actually saying um yeah and i i kind of thought that this was it was going like <laughs> that like the end of the story would just be like and then superman punches out feminism <laughs> but it, <laughs> but it is like it is more nuanced than that because you have that little like epilogue bit where you first you have mercy being like kind of like looking back at her and being like whoa luther did the um, wrong thing to <laughs> trick her to like betray superman's trust yes and then you have what is it reggie reggie what's his name reggie watts uh, yes reggie watts the, <laughs> the reporter guy um like snatching the microphone away oh from yeah angela yeah and then like angela like being sad and then and then there's like a panel that's just a close-up of superman being sad mm -hmm. and it's like yeah it's oh, it, it, sad. It is it is like nuanced in so far as like, yeah, he's like, I'm I'm sorry that I had to do this. I did have to do it, but like that doesn't make you wrong. It came at a cost. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I also I think that the moment at the end, and this is kind of borne out by the fact that she becomes like more of a heroic character later on, is that like I think the ending part isn't meant to be like oh no, Livewire is going back. It's like, yes, yeah. Livewire is still alive. <laughs> yeah, it's like Livewire... Like, we'll fight another day. Livewire continues uh, to topple the patriarchy. Yes, exactly. And so, like, I was like, is this like... Like, it's so strange because it's like, it frames the overt feminist as the villain of the story and doesn't really ever be like, like, well, like, you're taking things too far. Like, I mean, it's kind of, it's implied... Well, I feel like, yeah, it, the whole thing is captured in that debate between Lois and Angela, where, yeah, like, Lois is arguing, like, this is censorship, it's bad, and Angela is saying, like, maybe so, but, like, you know, is it such a bad thing that 
like women get to have real opportunities in our industry like i don't think yeah. so and then yeah that i guess that is the part where i was like well yeah i don't think you're quite there yet is where like she's like well like at least like i'm getting to be an anchor man like that's a good thing and then lois is like well you should apply for that job then. <laughs> it's like, i feel like angela probably applied for that job yeah <laughs> and it did not it did not work out for her yeah the i think where it runs into trouble is framing angela as uh, like a self-interested figure yes. who's like looking out for number one that's what she says like journalism is yeah, about yeah, looking yeah. out for number one and lois says Oh, really? I thought it was about the truth. Neither uh, is the word freedom, Yarana. You don't have references. It's from the trailer for On the Basis of Sex. Where right. It's like, I don't believe the word woman is anywhere in the Constitution. <laughs> Neither is the word freedom, Peter. <laughs> oh. <That's> Lois. <laughs> yeah, Lois as RBG. <laughs> Anyways, um, I think yeah, I think that's where the issue stumbles a little bit is by framing it as like Angela is self-interested, uh, or like that there's something ulterior to her taking advantage of the situation beyond just like being grateful to have the opportunity. Yeah, but then but then it's still so sympathetic to her at the end. Yeah, at the yeah. end, Superman is like even if she was like looking out for number one and like still needs to work on her like journalistic integrity somehow, <laughs> uh, like she, she did the job and she was good at the job and there's like not really, you know, the world isn't a better place because Reggie gets to uh, snatch the mic. Right. Exactly. And yeah, that, that's a very interesting issue. Yeah, it is. Um, but what else have we got here? Um, What's what's issue six? That is the. I think we get into the the growing oh, that... and shrinking story soon. Yeah, that's that's seven and eight. Okay. Uh, issue five is when Superman fights feminism, and right. then issue six is oh, when Superman oh, uh... fights communism. <laughs> Wait, what? Uh, no, it's where it's the one with the it's, it's the backwards. Time yeah, the one. backwards issue. See on a mod. There's see see on a mod. Dominoes <laughs> backwards. Oh, cool. Um, but yeah, like. But the, the people who like blow up the clock tower are the holy brotherhood of anarchy. Oh yeah, uh, but and, also like, call, call each other comrades. Lackey and call yeah. each other comrades. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like this is—it's an interesting issue. Uh, this is one of my that, favorite issues. Oh really? I, yeah. I mean, like it's a really interesting idea, but there's not a lot of like. I feel like there's not much narrative propulsion to it when it's just like it's like well we we know exactly how this like it's going to run backwards and then eventually it's going to start running forwards again and superman is going to stop it like it's an inter it's a it's a very interesting idea but i feel like it just like it doesn't have much to it in terms of like making it for an interesting comic i, I guess i liked it as like a, a whodunit in reverse where instead of yeah the, like but it's like it's like obviously they done it. <laughs> the, the bad guys we saw in the first Yeah, well yeah, it's not so much a who done it as a how done it. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it I, also I has it has like this framing device where it's Clark telling the story to his parents while drinking coca, which also followed very stuff. <laughs> yeah, that, that that bit is like a little strange. Um, but yeah, it it doesn't detract to me. I really like the conceit of this story. I like that 
uh like i'm always a sucker for a story where like the hero saves the day and nobody ever finds out about it i kind of like that his like big heroic act was like catching a baseball um uh, that's that's sort of like some scott mcleod style like cla- or, or zot classic uh anti-climax where the, yeah, the I, primary difference being that we get to see like what the the scope of the destruction is that he's preventing but mm-hmm. to have the solution be like you need superman you need to be at this park at this time and catch this baseball to save metropolis and the lois second, the second baseball based save <laughs> yeah. but, um, well the first yeah. technically yeah true but i do i do really like that uh the clock tower still explodes <laughs> like yeah because it feel it would be a very like it'd be a very easy thing to be like well not only does he stop all this but he also stops the clock it's like the i feel like the more hacky version of this is like after he catches the ball it's like well he also uh diffused the bomb 20 minutes ago uh but instead they yeah it's like well like there are like still consequences and like sometimes you can't possibly like do everything at all times this this issue also features everyone's uh, favorite fifth dimensional imp whose name i have always pronounced nixie zip it lick uh i just you now have? yeah i just now did like a quick google because i read an interview with scott where he provided an alternative pronunciation and looking around it seems like every single person ever uh, has a different idea about how it's supposed to be pronounced, but I, I've I'm interested I've always to understood it to be Mixaspitlick. Um, yeah, I, apparently on Supergirl they pronounced it uh, Mixia's Pitalick. Uh, oh. I'm trying to I I can't find the one Scott used, but it was also different from that. Uh, yeah, like I said, it's pretty, <laughs> I feel like uh, the whole point is that you can't really say it because it's a fifth dimensional name, and however you choose to say it. Uh, that's that's the way to go yeah certainly that was the original intent was that it was not pronounceable mm-hmm. um which is a funny yes, also then, because yes. the way to dispel him is to get him to say his name backwards which is like even <laughs> more unpronounceable right exactly. i also liked that that he he banished him because he knew that time was running backwards I, for them so he only needed to get him to say his name the normal way i will say i did see that coming not, um, to, not to toot my own horn mm, but good. i did i was like as soon as like time was running backwards i was like he's gonna say his name forwards but it'll actually be backwards <laughs> yeah i because i feel like that's a conceit that really limits how often you can use uh the character because it just it strains credibility at a certain point to be like <laughs> you think mr mixes bit like strains credibility <laughs> well unless I, it's just like how many times can you have him get tricked into saying his name backwards twice? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's true. Um, yes, this issue is also where Superman gets kryptonite cancer, which is yeah, pays off big time. To, yeah, pays off later in what is basically like proto All Star Superman. Yeah, uh, that like yeah, easily one of the uh, best Superman stories I've ever read are those two issues, eleven and twelve. Yeah, but yeah, I don't, I don't have a. Do you have, do you have much to say about the shrinking part? Like, no, I really don't. I mean, these I, were, uh, it felt these like were among my least favorite issues. I, I agree. It felt like set up uh, to have Dan Turpin say that he fights for the little guy, <laughs> like two issues and set oh, up right. for that one joke. I, for, um, I forgot, I forgot about Turpin talk. <laughs> yeah, well, well, we, I, I want to talk about the entire supporting cast and like Superman generally in a bit, but um, to to stay focused on the issues at hand, so to speak. Um, 
Yeah, I, I didn't see why it had to be two issues, really. Like, I thought you could have trimmed a fair oh. bit of fat and, and made this a one-issue story without, like, too much difficulty. Um, yeah, it's... it's I, I don't have like, much to say about it. There's also weirdly... Like, there's not much going on outside of the central story, which is weird because the previous issues have all been so, like, heavily including other stories and like more on the ground story. it's like dan turpin is kind of that story where but it's just like he like shows up like a yeah a couple like, of times and then like gets beat up exactly i don't even know if he's in number seven yes he he's like part of the investigation somehow um but yes but i wanted to talk about dan turpin who is as i learned on wikipedia Best known for becoming the host of Dark Side. <laughs> Wait. Do you know about this? No, I don't. Dan Turpin is like a key character in Final Crisis because. <laughs> because so, oh no, uh, this is this is actually. He's related to the new gods, right? The, yeah. Well, the thing is, he was retconned recently, apparently. Um, Actually, maybe maybe not that recently. I'll have to I'll have to look up when it was. But so Jack Kirby had a, a like a group of characters called the Boy Commandos who, in his like at various points in his career, Jack Kirby just like wrote like these gangs of kids who went on like these crazy adventures where like the, the Boy Commandos are one, the Newsboy Legion are another, the Yancey Street Gang who the uh, Newsboy Legion yeah the Newsboy Legion are um related to the like the guardian or the manhattan guardian depending on which which version you're using which is basically like the jack kirby doing captain america at dc um but anyways one of one of these uh like boy commando characters was a kid named brooklyn who wore like this signature like derby hat Right. And then Dan Turpin also often wears a derby hat. And so at one point they were like, oh, yeah. And by the way, Dan Turpin is grown up Brooklyn, <laughs> which is crazy because Brooklyn like fought in World War Two. <laughs> right. Yes. I'm now learning that the the boy commandos fought Nazis or in their parlance, the Nazis. Yes. Uh, I would say Jack Kirby generally enthusiastic about calling Nazis ratsies. <laughs> <laughs> a good, a good group of people to have rude nicknames for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yes, but but because uh, so yes, in Final Crisis, he he shows up and is like investigating the death of Orion, which is I believe what starts off Final Crisis, um, and then like. So this is just reading from Wikipedia, but he later realizes that, quote, there's someone in my head. <laughs> and it's revealed that he is the new host body for Darkseid and that Darkseid selected Turpin rather than Batman because Batman would have resisted too long <laughs> while Turpin struggled just enough to make his victory sweeter. <laughs> uh, yeah, Dan, Dan Turpin. So there were, there were a few characters uh, who appear as like secondary characters here who i thought they were all potentially superman adventures uh, originals and those were dan turpin maggie sawyer and mercy graves um mercy is right mercy is only mercy is i thought it was possible that dan turpin and maggie sawyer might be um although yeah. maggie yeah i was i was a little more skeptical on maggie sawyer because she 
she was like a Superman supporting character for a fair while. I just wasn't sure when she debuted. Um, and then obviously, well, maybe not obviously, but has become much more, I think, recognizable as like a Batman tertiary character um, who like in Gotham Central, she's the captain of the major crimes unit who like the detectives are all the main characters uh, from right. the Gotham Police Department. And then right. later becomes a love interest for Batwoman. Um, so I, I think is like firmly at this point, more of a Batman family character, but yeah, started, started off, uh, as a Superman character. Yes. Uh, but acknowledged. <laughs> um, Shall we shall we move on to the other issues, or did you did you want to talk about more about the supporting cast now? Well, I was I was just gonna say that Mercy Graves is like a funny character who like she's I've I've always found her very interesting, but she never really made a splash in the normal comics. Is she wearing despite, pants or no? Uh, in in her like uniform. Yes. Uh, that is a good question. I think she's wearing tights. I think she's wearing like a chauffeur dress with tights. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, she's a, she's like a Cato-esque figure is how I kind of characterize her. <laughs> yeah, like she is. She's, a, she's Lex Luthor's chauffeur, but also like has, I think you get to see her fight in the animated series. In these, she's more... Yes, I think she's more of like a karate master. Yeah, she's she's more got like kind of a menacing presence. Uh but uh, but I think you see her in action in the cartoon affair bit. Um, I believe in the main like once she moved over into like the main comics continuity, she was ret- uh, retconned to be an Amazon. Does this ring a bell for you? <laughs> Does it ring a bell for me? Whether Mercy Graves was <laughs> yeah, retconned she, to be an Amazon? <laughs> she appears in fifty two. Do you remember her uh, being an Amazon? <laughs> I don't believe so. Mm. Look into this for you. Shame, shame. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think she is an Amazon in the in the main continuity. Um, yes, her Amazon heritage is confirmed in Justice League: Try for Cry for Justice. Oh, that <laughs> legendary series! When Prometheus uh, nearly kills Supergirl with God-forged bullets, he claimed he bought for mercy. <laughs> yeah, okay. that is a notoriously reviled uh, storyline. Cheers. Uh, James Robinson, I believe infamous uh, in that. Well, James James Robinson is famous for his Starman run primarily, but that series infamous for, I think, killing uh, Roy Harper's daughter, Leanne or Leon. Hey. Crushed by a building. <laughs> oh, rip. Truly. Uh, so issue nine. <laughs> yes, to get back to it. <laughs> Just a segue cleanly there. Uh-huh. Issue nine. Is, uh, this is the one with uh, Francisco. Yes. Which I, I, at first, I was like, "Is this issue about like trying to understand Trump supporters?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, this was this was another one of my favorite issues. Uh, I really liked what uh, he did with Luthor in this issue. I thought yes. like the the framing uh like sort of narrative device of having this kid whose two heroes were superman and lex luthor is also good like yes. your heart out jeff johns um because he you know had a superboy run where you've read that right boy of steel 
Nope. Oh, so it's that's like a. Was oh, it like when he's like a clone? Yeah, he. Like, so he always knew he was a clone that was half Kryptonian from Superman and half human. But at right. one point, they revealed, like they retconned that the human donor was Lex. Um, right. And then Jeff Johns had this like it's it's a good run. I'm teasing uh, mostly, but he has this storyline where he kind of wrestles with that and is like. I've spent my whole life like trying to be like Superman because I knew that like he provided my DNA. What if I tried to be like Lex as well? Like what would Lex do in these situations? Oh, is that the part where he like turns evil? Uh, he does at one point shave his head. <laughs> I think that's in Jeff Johns's uh, <laughs> Teen Titans run though. Um, not, uh, not in the like Boy of Steel stuff. And then he like gets trapped in an alternate dimension uh is that a different guy i think now you're thinking of superboy prime yes oh is this is this final crisis shit uh i think superboy prime getting trapped or countdown to final crisis it's it's definitely countdown like i'll kill you to death is uh uh countdown to final crisis (laughs) superboy prime's famous uh threat um I think him getting trapped in an alternate dimension is one of the previous crises. I can't remember if it's yeah, I think, Infinite Crisis. I think Countdown crisis. to Infinite Crisis like starts or involves Superboy Prime punching himself out of. Uh, yeah, punching. He was in. Punching so hard it breaks continuity. Uh, yes, is <laughs> one of the things that happens in Countdown to Final Crisis. Fifty-two done right, says uh, oh. Dan Didio. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of Final Crisis talking. Yeah, seriously. Um, um, but yes, I, I do. I like this. Well, I, I I like the conceit of this issue. I find it a little bit boring. Oh, really? Um, I liked it a lot. I mean, like, I, it's like I like I like all the beats, but I like it's like all the stuff where like he gets arrested and like there's a fire. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I, I like I like the ideas more than I like the actual issue itself. Yeah, I, I felt the like part it. Where Clark Kent is dressed like Dick Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> I liked I liked all the stuff with like Luthor, uh, like making the promise to the father before sending him to jail to like look out for the yes, family that, and that like he a, takes it seriously. Like. Yeah, that and then, stuff's and all then really him good. where it's like he Lex didn't kill him, but he like allowed people to believe that he had. Yeah. That's yeah, good. I also really like um like the conversation that Francisco has with Superman after he like sees Lex yes. in the limo at the end and drives away and Superman Superman like encourages him that like just because Lex does has done bad things and made mistakes doesn't mean that there aren't good qualities to him or or things that you can you can learn from. Um, yes, I do. I do like a I I didn't really think of this much from the perspective of like this is probably mostly into kids. Um, but yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's a, it's a, that's a good moral. It is a good moral. It is aimed at kids. I like, I just think that, so this is getting back a little bit to what I was talking about with like the Batman stuff and how it doesn't really connect with me is that like Batman to me has always felt like he works better as like a teen plus series. Whereas Superman is a character that you can really easily tell stories about that are like genuinely all ages where, you yeah. know, that's like a good moral for kids to like learn. And it's a good moral for like adults to be reminded of. And like, yeah. um, 
and, and it's, it's i just think he's an ages. easier yeah he's an easier store or, or easier character to structure stories around that can be entertaining and engaging and feel true to kind of the spirit and the nature of the character um that are that are genuinely appealing to all ages yeah because i, I feel like the, the all the good superman stories are like ones where someone learns a valuable lesson <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because like that, I, I feel like that's actually in general, like usually the stories are like where it's like Superman is just like a delivery mechanism for like someone to find realize something about themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we follow that up with Targeted for Toy Mination, one of my favorite <laughs> titles. Yeah, with, this I liked this issue overall. It's it's funny. The tone is very different from what we've been working with for well not even the town but like it's just a crazy story <laughs> it is it's it is a story a about story. action figure superman reaching into <laughs> parents wallets and just stealing <laughs> cash from them. like it's such a huge operation for such a petty amount of money like well, he like, says that the real goal of it is to like discredit superman and, oh, right, and like right, right, ruin right. ruin kids view of him Right. But you're making like a hundred dollars a house times like five thousand houses. It's like yeah. yeah, you're making you're making money, but um Barry the Bomber is also like the definition yes. of a Scott McCloud character. It's so wild. He's Dr. Bellows. He is Dr. Bellows. The way he's drawn with his like Yeah. He throws a comical giant bomb at Superman. Yeah. Although that uh, that panel like is pre- I, I really like the panel where he has like just thrown the bomb into space and you just see like the up at the sky angle of Metropolis and like the huge like boom and they're all like bathed in the light from the explosion. Um, yeah, oh, I that's... mean later when he when he blows up the fake Superman. Oh, yeah. He, he throws like a, <laughs> throws like a bomb. Stratego bomb. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, which... I have to wonder where he got such a thing. Yeah, because he's in uh, jail, right? Or like is yes, getting yes. Un- Oh yeah, he's he is in jail. <laughs> uh, yes, and then the uh, issue ending with him being <laughs> trapped with all of the tiny Superman that he gets so scared that his legs cross. <laughs> uh, very, but yes, very the bomber. I agree. A very a very stomach-like character. Shocking that he hasn't reappeared. Yeah, I like Barry the Bomber though. He's he's funny. Yeah, yeah, it's he's funny. That's exactly what he is. Yes. Anyways, then we get uh, the two the two stories we had talked about a little bit previously. Is there a doctor in the house? Asks. Uh, <laughs> the, or... Well, no, that's the cover of uh, number oh, one. Right, right, right. Uh, I believe it's called the War Within. Uh, okay. Yeah, this this story introduced some interesting ideas that he didn't really end up uh, like pursuing as much as I thought he would. But I thought the conversation that he has with Lois before she finds out that he's gotten sick from the kryptonite that the um, that, like anarcho communists <laughs> exposed him to <laughs> is killing him. Like he they they have that debate about what Superman's role is and like should he. What if once there's no like further risk to human life, what's his responsibility to continue to intervene and and like protect 
those those sorts of like institutions i thought there was like a degree to which like he has a good point to say like i'm not always going to be there obviously that's like a bit of foreshadowing but to say i'm not always going to be there and people need to figure out how to manage some of these things themselves is like an interesting stance that uh, that i was hoping he would like kind of look into a little bit more yeah i mean like I feel I feel like that scene like kind of speaks for itself. Like maybe maybe I just agree too hard for him, uh, <laughs> too hard with him. But it's like I mean, like isn't she talking about him like spying on the city's building, or, like the city? Yeah, she department? she asks him why he didn't use his X-ray vision to yeah spy on crooks. Uh, the crooks to, being like corrupt city corrupt partners, city officials, like, yes. zoning boards. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel, you know, and like that, that definitely is like interesting, like ethical territory for Superman, certainly. Yeah. And it also feels kind of, um, like Zot number 10 ish where when they like ask him to become the king of Sirius yes. four, basically. And he's like, I can't like, I, oh, I'm 13 years old. Number one, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> what his argument boils down to is like, I think basically the same as the one that Superman is making here, which is like, I, I can be there when you need me but you don't always need me. And I'm not, I'm not here to make your lives easier. I'm just here to like save your lives or, or even better necessarily. Um, I'm, I'm here to keep people safe and the rest is like up to you. Right. Yeah. I I do like that. And it's also, yeah, I think it's, (laughs) I think it's hard to, uh, well, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's not hard to argue with the idea that Superman should be solving world hunger. <laughs> is isn't it in All Star Superman that he like powers a battery, <laughs> like, or is that just something that gets talked about a lot, like as a joke? Because I, I, I like think like, yeah, I think that's kind of like a, a like a, it's like why doesn't Superman just provide infinite clean energy? Yeah, like a Man of Steel, Woman of Kleenex type thought experiment that was like, if Superman really existed, don't you think the best thing he could do would be like yeah, run in like a hamster wheel or like turn <laughs> <Yeah>. a crank, <laughs> basically yeah, and and just like generate unlimited energy? And it's like well, yeah, but <laughs> that's that's a boring comic <laughs> also like going to enslave superman and make him turn a crank yeah um he does in all-star superman uh yeah no it's he does he and doesn't you know, really the scenes in all-star superman where he's like forging doesn't he do some forging so the last panel in all-star superman oh right right is right, yes. him like fixing the sun he's like building an <laughs> artificial heart for the sun <laughs> Which is the most Graham Morrison thing there is. (laughs) Oh, All-Star Superman, good stuff. Um, Um, One important thing about this issue is that uh, according to a Daily Planet survey, more women than ever now say that Superman (laughs) reminds them of their (laughs) ex-husband. I believe the editorial note on that is bad news for the big guy. (laughs) That's correct. Uh, yes, but yes, and more importantly, we find out that Superman is dying of Kryptonian cancer, basically, mm-hmm. um, and that and but in contrast to All Star Superman, which I think is like a very interesting sort of subversion of that idea. That's like Superman's dying, but he is so much more powerful now. Yeah, it's it's like, a response to the idea that like Superman stories are boring because he's so strong that Grant Morrison is like 
well, in that case, I'm going to make the central premise of my story that Superman is literally stronger than ever. <laughs> yeah, which is like, yeah, and I, I love that element of All-Star Superman, but this is also a very interesting version of it as well. Yeah. I guess, I guess the more conventional version where he is gradually losing his power, but cannot bring himself to give up. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good, like, not that I think anyone needs to be, like, convinced of Superman's heroism in terms of, like, readers, but um, it it does, it's, like, an easy critique to make of Superman to say, like, how much of a hero is he really if he's not ever actually, like, risking anything? Like, Francisco, in his issue, talks about how brave it is for Superman to go into the fire, but it's, like, it's not really brave for Superman to go into the fire. Like, he yeah, knows he's going to be he, fine. Yeah, Superman talks about that. Yeah. To Jimmy Olsen. He's like, yeah. Being brave is about like doing things that you know could be bad for you. Right. And I just like, I can do anything. Yeah. So this gives him a nice opportunity to like showcase how he would respond. Like, even with his powers severely diminished, he still recognizes that he has powers and feels like an obligation to do something with them. Yes. And also, uh, that this is skipping ahead a little maybe um and we can go back but the end of i think it's the end of this issue where it ends with like the slow zoom in on the logo on his chest which made me think a lot about how like a lot of the things in this issue or a lot of um a lot of stories in this run are about sort of superman as a symbol which was interesting thinking back on understanding comics which is so interested in Mm-hmm. symbology i guess in a different way like this is more thematic symbolism than it is like linguistic symbolism but yeah but but the, the slow zoom in on the logo which is like obviously a prime example of an iconic symbol yeah but i and i think that he also kind of gets into it linguistically where like when lois is unable to communicate with people she just draws like oh, yeah. the s shield and people recognize it and immediately understand like what she's doing Um, Yes, like she basically drew the symbol of like being a good person. (laughs) Yeah, and and people are like, that means we've got to help her. Right. (laughs) Where where is she? What's the name of the country? Uh, It's like Prado, Prado Slavia, Prado Slavia, (laughs) something like that. It is Prado Slavia. Um, I love I love any like mid nineties comics where it's like. A collapsed USSR state. <laughs> yes, Czechoslovakia. Yeah, <laughs> a certain uh, a certain Eastern European nation. Yes, like Pretzelvania. <laughs> good one. A Saul's homeland. <laughs> Pretzelvania. Uh, yes, Pretzelvania uh, is the kind of joke that that could be the name of Saul's pretzel state. Yeah. <laughs> Um, also, yes, the, the part with the doctor is also very good. Mm-hmm. Um, especially the part where Superman like basically threatens him. The the panel of where like he's like planning to administer the vial, and then mm-hmm. the next panel is like the vial and his glasses floating in the air as he's being cranked down. <laughs> he doesn't really threaten him though. He just like tells him he's like been encouraging him in sort of subtle ways to like do the right thing. And then yes. with like kind of his like... last moment of energy, he's like, listen, I'm going to like put my cards on the table here. I know what your situation is and I'm still asking you to like do the right thing. Yeah. And he does. 
And he does. And that's the shot. beauty of Superman. Yes, he inspires. Yes. Um, and then, of course, I, the doctor goes to jail for malpractice. <laughs> yes, I, I was going to say. I said we don't see the doctor. I mean, they might just kill him. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, like, you have to believe that Superman would uh, intervene <laughs> if that yes, were the I case. Suppose. But... I suppose the doctor just goes to jail. <laughs> or, or not even goes to jail, but like loses his license or something. Yes. Thanks for your help, Superman. Gets sued. Uh, but it's not, it's, not, it's not his job. Uh, yes. to help the man that saved his life no yeah. and, then, <laughs> and then like very weirdly i i didn't know if i should take this as like some kind of like sign of something but the fact that the last issue is what it is after that storyline mm-hmm. is like very funny and feels like it's like did he get like an editorial note or something <laughs> but then also it does also have like a sort of scott mcclady moment at the end but like mm-hmm. so much of this issue is like I don't what you would expect Superman is. adventures to be. <laughs> yes, it's like it's the Nebula Cup and Superman. Yeah, like, it's like a prank by Lobo. Alien guy. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even catch that Lobo was mentioned at the beginning. I'm just seeing that now. I I think he made a cameo with his hog later. Yes. Yeah. No. He he. Uh, it's revealed that Lobo is the one who like tipped the aliens off that like right. Earth exists and should compete in the Nebula Cup because he's like, ha ha ha. This will this will really get Superman. Right. Um. Uh, and then yes, most of the, most of it is just like Superman fighting a guy, and then like the bit is that there's like sports commentators commentating the whole time. Yeah, which is good. Um, <laughs> it's like, it's, I, I especially like when they're like, just like, what is this? Dan, do we have any uh, stats for <laughs> Dr. Hamilton? <laughs> it's like, you guys are doing bits? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I don't think that he received an editorial note. I do feel like that was probably like one of several ideas that he kind of like jotted down as like, eh, I could get an issue out of this. Um, but yeah, it yeah, does, I I, it, it does feel guess, placed weirdly because it, it feels like number tw- the ending of number 12 is like the perfect end of like a Superman run. Yeah. Where it's like, it's he's, like I don't... the status quo is back to normal. He's ready to go, but we've just had like a great moving story about like, superman's heroism and the heroism that he inspires in others uh and like yeah like you're saying we were saying about like the zoom in on the s like it's a perfect end to a superman yeah run. oh that's yes the zoom in on the s is like the end of a movie yeah um yeah I, I guess i don't really know like how the industry works like would he have known that he that the issue he was i guess he must have known by the time the issue came out that oh yeah definitely by the time it came out um yeah like, yeah, did he know when he when this was being worked on that he wasn't going to do anymore. Like, I would have to think quit? so. Did he get fired? He did. I I think he must have quit. He definitely didn't get fired. I think he probably agreed to write twelve issues. Um, right. Uh, because because like he could use the money, but again, like uh, um, reinventing comics is like not that far away by the time this ends. Uh, like his run ends. Three um, years away. Yeah. Uh, and increasingly, I think he's probably getting interested in like web comics and the internet as a medium and starting to focus there more. Um, so, yeah. but, but definitely he would have known like they, the, the production like timeline for comics is such that if someone isn't writing next month's issue, they need to know that in advance so that they can get the next line, like writer lined up. Usually, usually I would say like, 
he probably would have let them know by the time he was finishing work on like number eight that number 13 was going to be his last one. Yeah. That's kind of uh, like the timeline that they need to get a new writer lined up and and like give his pitch or her pitch, but in this case, his pitch uh, and like develop his story so that he has enough of a runway that he he has like a few in the bank by the time his issues are coming out. Yeah. Uh, I did actually read issue 14 just out of curiosity to like see where, like what kind of direction it would go in. Um, but it does say in the letters page for number 14 that like, our buddy Scott McLeod has tried shuffling his schedule around for the past several months. Classic. But his incredibly huge workload is to leave Superman Adventures for the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. He's hard to work on a huge project elsewhere. Another classic. Uh, I've also physically threatened him if he doesn't stop by and contribute more Superman Adventures than his schedule <laughs> permits. So you've probably not heard the last of him. <laughs> he did write an issue of Justice League Adventures, which I thought about reading for uh, for these purposes, but... Um, yes um issue 14 it's about like a guy who's in the witness protection program (laughs) like i couldn't tell it's like is this like kind of the same thing because it's it's all about like angela like angela doxes this guy (laughs) because like (laughs) she suspects that he might be involved in like this bombing that took place but the guy is actually like a guy who turned state's state's witness for intergang um (laughs) And so, like, she, like, learns a valuable lesson about journalistic ethics. I was just like, which we know she needs. this is, like, the same idea. But then Perry White tells her that she's only human. Mm. Good of Perry. Uh, so, yeah, it's, like, it's not, like, it's not, like, once Scott McCloud leaves, it goes back to being, like, the Paul Dini, like, fighting a robot who's even stronger than superman kind of thing yeah and i think i mentioned on our last episode that this run or like this series is best known for some like early mark miller work who will later become famous for writing like the ultimates and kick-ass and kingsman and many many other movie adapted projects (laughs) um but this is like one of his first or one of his earliest works and i i have the trades on my shelf i haven't read them but now that i've I've read these stories and been duly impressed by them. I probably will. Um, This run gets referenced a lot. Like when people talk about like the best Superman runs, Mark Miller's Superman adventures stories come up like a fair bit. And I think he wrote like 18 or 19. So like it's a pretty, it's a pretty decent run. Um, And then obviously he would, he would work later on red sun with uh, Grant Morrison absolutely <laughs> undeniably maybe maybe we'll cover mark miller one day i'm not the biggest fan but it's uh it's tough to deny his uh impact on the industry most assuredly i mean he was one of the writers of 52 so i mark know miller is wait no no wait, what no is 52 it, is, is oh mark Jeff wade, Johns. Mark yeah wade. mark wade greg greca and uh, grant morrison okay that explains i always get those two confused and but he did work on Kingdom. Mark Wade did work on Kingdom Come as well, which could be a Mark Millar comic, maybe. <laughs> he did. He did work on Kingdom Come, and he also wrote Superman Birthright, which is uh, another like classic Superman story. Right. Um, Birthright. Indeed. <laughs> uh, okay, so now that we have discussed all these yeah, comics what do you want to talk about the, well i i was i meant to talk about this more at the beginning but i basically it's funny it, like we were saying it's funny that this like cartoon tie-in comic is our first 
real superhero comic. Um, not, not okay. It's not as a real superhero comic, but our first mainstream our first Marvel DC, yeah, comic. big two superhero comic, and our first Superman comic. I was curious just to hear from you what your like general uh, sense of Superman is. Like, how do you feel about him as a character? Are you a fan? What are we talked a little bit about stories you've read, but what are some of your favorite uh, Superman stories? Um, yeah well like all-star superman i feel like is always one that like i consider you know probably like in my top five favorite miniseries or storylines or whatever yeah um so i i you know compared to the average person like i feel like the the very common and easy average person take like not even not a comics fan but just like a person is like superman is boring because he's so strong and he's always going to win mm-hmm. so that makes him like not that interesting and so, like when people would bring stuff up like that, I would I would be the kind of person who would jump to his defense and say like, well, like but yeah, the the interesting stories aren't about Superman just winning. They're about like either it's either Superman being prevented from winning completely in some way, or him having to like find a way to win that is not how you would expect him to. Um, and and this these stories have a lot of that. And so that is something that I liked about it. Um, You know, like my feelings on Superman. Do I love Superman? Not really. I I mean, I don't know. I I don't feel like I really love very many like super mainstream, super popular heroes in that way. Like I've never been a particular guy. Like I know you go pretty hard for Spider-Man. Yes, I, um, I I go pretty hard for several characters. <laughs> Super well, yes. among them. Yeah, but particularly for Spider Man, and like I I just feel like I've never been like super into one of the like big heroes in that way. Maybe that's just me like being a comics hipster and everything hipster. <laughs> I'm just wanting to like be into the lesser characters because they're lesser. But like it's like I'm not like I don't really care about Batman that much. Like I've, we talked about it before, like my favorite Batman is. Batman and Robin where Dick Grayson is Batman. <laughs> um, which I feel like is like emblematic of my general feelings towards like the big superheroes. And it's like I've read like, you know, I've read some Superman stuff, I've read Batman stuff, I've read Flash stuff, I've read Spider-Man stuff, but like mm-hmm. I feel like no big, like iconic, maybe just because like they're so big and iconic that like it doesn't feel like I have like sort of a I don't have a personal relationship with Superman. Right. <laughs> you haven't asked him into your heart. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yes. Um, so, but as far as the biggies go, I, I like Superman. He's cool. He's a cool guy. He helps people. He does help people. Yes. Uh, I could, I could probably gush about Superman a fair bit if I was so inclined. Um, but yes, I, I am a big fan. Not, not even like I've read, I've read some of his stuff. I have more of it on the shelf and like would, would like to read. Like I'm, I'm planning to read uh, John Burns, like man of steel and Superman stuff before the year's over, things like that. Um, But, uh, but yeah, he, he, in the same way that superheroes like appeal to me 
Superman appeals to me. Like they're synonymous, basically. The things that appeal right. to me about superheroes are the things that appeal to me about Superman because Superman is like the genre definer, the the like prime example, um, like the quintessential superhero. And so it's like, how how can I not go hard for Superman when I go hard for like the idea of superheroes and like the value of helping people? Um, uh, yeah. So so he represents like everything I love about superheroes. And so it's tough for me not to think of him as like easily one of my five favorite superhero characters, like without a doubt. Um, right. I didn't, I didn't know that you had that level of Superman fandom. Yeah. Well, it's um, like, it's, it's more, it's kind of like almost more conceptual. Philosophical. Yeah. yeah. Because like I said, he doesn't have a lot of uh, like a ton of signature runs on him compared to a character like Batman or, or Spider-Man. But like, it's not to say that he doesn't have good stories. Obviously, he has lots of good stories, but I haven't made my way to all of them yet. But the things that he like represents for the genre and for like the influence that he's had on other characters who I have read more of and and am equally fond of, just make him like too important as like a concept uh, and and as a. Um, like I guess cultural idea for me not to be a big fan of him yeah it's like you you might rather read a Batman comic but you still like Superman yeah but but the core concept of Superman is more appealing to me and if I'm gonna like sit around and think about superheroes I'm more (laughs) (laughs) which you will which I will I'm more interested in thinking about Superman than I am thinking about Batman and I think that if you like end of the day if you compare my favorite batman stories and my favorite superman stories i like my favorite superman stories more because they're about superman basically <laughs> right yes i would i think i would agree with that i i like superman he's a cool guy <laughs> he's uh, a pretty cool guy um, yeah, so go ahead i i was just, i'm trying to i'm trying to think of a good way to just transition to uh lois lane and jimmy also well, like the the superman supporting cast at large i guess we already talked about dan turpin um yeah we've already covered the big ones dan, we, turpin. dan turpin maggie, maggie sawyer, sawyer. <laughs> mercy dr hamilton um Professor. Yeah, sorry. Professor Emil Hamilton. Um, but I I feel that he has a really rich supporting cast in terms of like the core, the core group of Ma and Pa Kent, Perry White, Lois Lane, Jimmy Olsen. Um those are those are great characters. What <laughs> have you, <laughs> <Yeah>. have you... <laughs> I liked I, I think I liked Perry White in this more than I've ever liked Perry White. Maybe I've just seen more of Perry White, like Yes, Perry White is sort of like the father figure to the newsroom was mm-hmm. something I liked a lot. Um, yeah, I'm like familiar with, the, with these characters. Lois is a little more like, uh, maybe it's because she's kind of drawn like Veronica Lodge. <laughs> um, <laughs> she's I, she's she, definitely well, got a certain sort of like, um, uh, like steely edge in the cartoons that isn't isn't present in like all. I mean, she's always like she's always a, like, she's always a hard hitting investigative reporter. Yeah, but she's not always as like cool towards Clark and and even Superman as I think she is in some of these issues and and as she's kind of depicted as being in the cartoon where like obviously she's very affectionate towards both of them and towards Jimmy, but 
similarly, like, yeah, not not afraid to ask the hard questions of Superman either, or like kind of like tease Clark <laughs> uh, mercilessly, things like that. Yes, and I'm I'm not sure when exactly this would have sort of come become more of a thing because I assume it wasn't when Superman was invented, but like the way that Lois is always portrayed as like a great journalist and the way that like, like she always has, she like Clark Kent has never been a better journalist than Lois Lane. No. Which I feel yeah. like maybe is like, uh, is like core to the character in some ways, but like there are things about her and maybe it's like, be, she is like very human in a very specific way yeah. that Clark is not and probably could never be that yeah. allows her to like get these stories. Yeah, he, she's a character who, like, you have to make it make sense for Superman to be in love with her, right? Like, there has to, there has to, she has to have, like, something about her that draws him in a way that, like, other other people don't. Not to say that, you know, he, obviously he has great love in his heart for <laughs> all of all of humankind, <laughs> but, you know, there has to be something kind of, like... Uh, magnetic about her or, or irresistible about her that uh superman is drawn to and i think yeah it's to to have her be in position as like the better natural reporter the one who has like a, a certain drive uh and dedication that yes. not that superman doesn't but his is obviously channeled into his activities as superman whereas yeah, it's obviously Kent, who is yeah, like mild-mannered is <laughs> famously his descriptor um yes and it's also it's present it's very easy to contrast that because clark is like often clark's good at his job in general but he's often you see him like he's running late or like he doesn't make it to the thing because he was busy being superman yeah and so it's very easy to contrast lois's effectiveness with clark's frequent ineffectiveness yeah and, and it like it's always great when there are scenes where like clark is there and obviously is like i need to go become superman but like can't yet and can't really do anything that would risk potentially revealing himself as superman but then you get to watch Lois like resolve the situation before Superman is required or at least attempt to, or, you know, show that, that sort of um, like everyday heroism that Superman believes is in all of us. Um, yeah. She, she is, I feel like often is put in those situations where it's like, let's, let's have Lois be the stand in for kind of like bravery at the more human level and like the, the individual's right. ability to kind of like influence things and influence people without having the same um, like power and reach that Superman has. Yeah. And Clark uses her as an example in this, in one of these issues as like an example of bravery. Right. And so yeah, someone who's, I think that's brave, probably yeah. what, what he admires and loves is like, I, I, I don't think Clark thinks very much of himself as Superman. Like he's, he's like, well, I'm capable of doing this. And so I should do this. Like, he doesn't really think of himself as like being great and then like having the ability to get the job done. Yeah. And like, he talks about how like in these issues, he sees there being kind of like a standard for what Superman has to be. And then talks about how he struggles to live up to that standard. Right. Exactly. Um, and then Jimmy Olsen, uh, the funniest character in comics. <laughs> I was going to say funny guy uh what's what's how do you see jails like he's, he definitely seems like a platonic ideal of a certain type of character yeah he um 
he's he's depicted as like a little bit younger than I would necessarily generally generally like envision him being, but yeah, he's he's like the definition of like the wacky comic relief sidekick. Um, I am most sort of well read of him in his Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen title pre Jack Kirby. So <laughs> one of the craziest things about Jack Kirby and Jimmy Olsen generally is that the New Gods like saga debuts in Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen right. <laughs> because Jack Kirby came to DC in the 70s to write that title and was like and here's like all my crazy cosmic ideas and they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna run in Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen um, right but it's kind of it's kind of in keeping with him because all throughout the Silver Age, all his like his book is always focused on these like insane adventures that he goes on as Superman's pal. Um, that he he's constantly just like wandering into like harm's yeah, way to a certain yeah, extent. Yeah, isn't like but... Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen about like Jimmy Olsen drinks a a vial which turns him into human rubber yeah basically and like it's it's also a series that's very famous for like um like you know there's there's like all the super dickery covers that were popular on the internet in like 2010 where it's like superman i got you this bathrobe for your birthday because you adopted (laughs) me as your son and he's like burning it with his vision and it's like i'll never love you as a real son jimmy (laughs) that kind of thing happens all the time like i have i have an issue that i love truly dearly um where the cover is Jimmy Olsen and Aquaman in the desert. Aquaman is like <laughs> dead next to him. And Jimmy Olsen is like reaching up towards Superman in desperation and saying, please, Superman, give us the water or we'll both die. <laughs> and Superman is standing over them with, with a pitcher of water. Yeah, saying, sorry, Jimmy, you know the rules. Only one can live, you or Aquaman. <laughs> <laughs> and in the story, it's like a wizard posing as Superman, uh, right. who like has a vendetta against Aquaman. But yeah, it's it. There's a, it's all stories like that where it's like, why exactly is Jimmy Olsen the like kid photographer at the Daily Planet in this situation? Impossible to say, but he is, and <laughs> it's funny that he is. Uh, yeah, he he, yeah, he is. He's just like the platonic ideal of like the like bumbling yeah relief yeah he's he's very archie-esque in some ways uh yes beyond just being like the redhead yes um but yeah i I think archie is like if archie was in the dc universe he would basically be jimmy olsen like the (laughs) well-intended well-intended kid who like keeps accidentally finding himself in (laughs) these situations where he's in over his head or like has accidentally caused a disaster um and then Superman has to come and bail him out. Uh, yeah. He just Cute. finished up, uh, Matt Fraction wrote like a 12 issue maxi series that uh, I'm, I'm looking at the trade right now, just arrived uh, that I'm looking forward to reading that I think is very much embracing like how insane Jimmy Olsen is and uh, how, how insane all of his comics have always been. Yes. Would you like to hear some of the listed things of Jimmy Olsen's temporary powers? In, yes, under I Jimmy Olsen's would. Wikipedia page. <laughs> yes. So the the uh, the introduction is mostly during the Silver Age of comic books. Jimmy would find himself temporarily transformed for better or worse, 
or undergo a disguise for various purposes. <laughs> the variety of transformations he received is often homaged or parodied in later comics, etc. Et uh, so, Speed Demon. <laughs> In 1956, Jimmy drank a potion produced by Professor Claude and briefly gained super speed. Radioactive. After Classic. being exposed to a radioactive su- substance, Jimmy began to irradiate everything in his presence. <laughs> super brain. <laughs> Monstrous beard growth. <laughs> gorilla. <laughs> when Jimmy switched minds with the gorilla, he went about his reporting duties as the gorilla in Jimmy's clothes. <laughs> Oh, man. Can you imagine what the gorilla would be getting up to in Jimmy's body? Sounds like really? a great issue. <laughs> uh, Elastic Lad, Alien Form, Fire Breather, Human Octopus. <laughs> After eating an extraterrestrial fruit, Jimmy grew four extra arms. According to Superman, this was actually a hallucination, but Jimmy suspected that Superman said this to teach him a lesson, since Jimmy had foolishly <laughs> ignored advice from the Men of Steel that would have saved him a lot of trouble. <laughs> Yeah, these are these are all like characters and powers that get brought up a fair bit um, because they have like become so sort of synonymous with Jimmy Olsen that like like in uh, whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow, which is a, like supposed to be sort of like the last Superman story, quote unquote, for the Silver Age or the Bronze Age. I can't remember which, but um, it, it's about like Superman's final battle and when he's being like attacked by all of his supervillains, <laughs> Jimmy and Lana Lang, who is another character who's like occasionally gotten powers for <laughs> random uncertain reasons are like, we need to help. And like Jimmy dons his like radioactive boy costume again <laughs> or, or his elastic boy costume or something. And is like, here I come Superman. Or um, he found a genie's lamp and was tricked into replacing its villain socket. <laughs> Yes, that as well. I feel that the cover of Jimmy Ol- Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen number one that I'm currently looking at sums up everything that I like about Jimmy Olsen, which is he is sitting at like a Hollywood starlet style uh, vanity with the mirror, putting on a huge fake mustache <laughs> and saying, I'll solve this case or this case without Superman's help. And Superman is standing at the door, jerking his thumb at Jimmy Olsen, like, get a load of this guy. <laughs> Oh, oh, Jimmy. Uh, I do I do love Jimmy. Yes, I'm glad we got to have our Jimmy mini. <laughs> Jimmy corner. Uh, yes. That sounds yes. like a metaphor for something. Or a euphemism. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm just I saying. I suppose it does. Um, I don't know what it would be, but I'm just saying it does sound like that. Indeed. Uh I think we can wrap up soon, but just to briefly detour back to like the animated universe, did you ever watch any of the other, like, did you watch Batman Beyond or like Justice League or Static Shock, any of those shows? Those, those all feel like shows. Um, the, the biggest example of this that I can think of is Ben 10, mm-hmm. where it was, <laughs> it was a show that I would see commercials for. <laughs> but I would never like know exactly when I could watch it or like when it would air. And so like, I would just like, I would like randomly catch episodes and be like, mm-hmm. this is so cool. So like, I've seen like, you know, I've seen a fair amount of Batman Beyond episodes. I've seen some static shock. I've seen some, you know, Justice League, but never like in any sort of concentrated collected way. Right. Yeah. I, uh, I would like to do a big rewatch of Batman Beyond, which I feel like uh, I probably would enjoy more than Batman the Animated Series because Terry McGinnis, I think, is a character that works better for that kind of all ages stuff. It's it's a good like update for a kid's show. 
Static Shock, I was similar. I saw, I've seen like a bunch of random episodes, um, but never gotten around to. I have like a bunch of milestone issues, which is like the uh, the imprint that he comes from uh, that I <laughs> one day will get around to reading. Um, Justice League is really good. That's the one series that I have watched like start to finish. Uh, <laughs> there was one year in university where because of my exam schedule, I had no classes and nothing to do from December 8th to January 15th. <laughs> uh, and I... I got a lot done in my comics uh, world at that time. Um, right. But one of the other things that I accomplished was watching all of Justice League and all of Justice League Unlimited. Um, and particularly the, the two Justice League seasons are really good because all of the episodes are two-parters. So it's actually like 45 minutes per episode, really. Uh, and and it's like exceptionally well done. The, the writing is great. All the characters uh, like work really well together. Um, and, and giving the stories that much room was a good call. I mean, the Justice League yeah, Unlimited is good too, but it is a lot more kind of episodic. Um, whereas, yeah, like, there's more, a lot more characters, right? Yeah, there's a ton more characters. Um, but I, I feel like in Justice League, where it's all two parters, it's almost more like you're watching like a mini movie uh, for every right. episode, as opposed to like something. Yeah, it's it just feels less episodic, even though it is still very episodic. Yeah. Uh, well, I famously don't watch TV, so... Mm-hmm. Well, if you want to borrow my uh, Justice League Blu-rays... <laughs> <laughs> I have plenty of Blu-rays that need to be watched, don't you worry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yes, I think uh, I think that about does it for Indeed. this edition of Got the Runs. Uh, what's So Scott, he, we assume, <laughs> has disappeared once again to work on his next opus. Yeah, well... In between, so we can talk about this briefly, actually, because this oh, yeah, episode right. is shortish, and the next episode I suspect will will probably be pretty long again uh, because oh, we'll so, be dude. reading a textbook. Um, yeah, between this and reinventing comics, he does the New Adventures of Abraham Lincoln, which you may recall in our Secret Origin episode, I talked about uh, disastrous <laughs> cases of dabbling with like early digital art. Uh, did you look at those pages that I sent you from the new adventures of Abraham Lincoln? I, I looked at one screenshot you sent me, which is like basically like sub reboot levels. Yeah. Sub reboot levels is a good way to put it. I'm going to, uh, ignore my clickety clack here for a second because what Scott writes about this comic on his website is really funny. Uh, and I want to pull it up to read it for you. Here we go. The new adventures of Abraham Lincoln. This is what (laughs) he has to say about it. People hated this book when it first came out exclamation mark (laughs) my first attempt at computer generated artwork by any reasonable measure was a flop reaction broke down into two groups those who despised the book and thought that the cartoony artwork and the 3d cgi backgrounds worked badly together and a smaller group who (laughs) liked the book and thought that the cartoony artwork and the 3d cgi backgrounds worked badly together the story followed 10-year-old Byron Johnson and his friend Marcy as they tried to expose an imposter Abraham Lincoln <laughs> before he can reclaim and quote-unquote finish his term as president of the United States. Halfway through, the real Abraham Lincoln is resurrected to help them, and then it turns out that the whole thing was an alien plot and, oh, never mind. <laughs> I like to think of the new adventures of Abraham Lincoln as a noble failure. The consensus of comic fans at the time seemed to be that failure was description enough. 
<laughs> it's also funny to think about that like it's like I can't work on Superman Adventures anymore, man. I gotta get <laughs> Abe Lincoln done. I am grinding out Abe Lincoln, yes, but uh, <laughs> I'm an original ten hours a day. <laughs> yeah, an original graphic novel. You can see excerpts of uh, the the pages on his website under the print comics tab. There's like you can click through to the Abraham Lincoln page. The uh, yeah, it, it's disastrous. <laughs> it's it's like. I have occasionally described this as like web comics art and it like, yeah, it looks like it was made with like a free software or like in flash or it might've been made in flash actually. Yeah. It's totally possible. Um, yeah. It, 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 let's just say that it's not the best uh, medium for Scott to express himself. I appreciate that he was interested in the new technology and uh, it looks terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, so yes he uh, he works you... on that and then we'll subsequently also be working on reinventing comics which we're going to cover next time and in which he talks at length i, I believe this is going to be um i've never read a uh, reinventing comics before but i believe he speaks at length about uh like the digital medium and use of digital art and also about uh uh, like all the infinite canvas stuff although that's less relevant because uh the new adventures of abraham lincoln was uh, published as a conventional book cheers um sorry i was just reading about how he was an advisor to BitPass, a company that provided an online micropayment system in the late <laughs> yes 1990s. he he was like an early advocate of uh of micropayments of making him <laughs> a villain in many circles <laughs> uh he, like co-invent paypal no, he he was interested in like even smaller payments, like like pennies. And the reason that it never really went anywhere in his vision is because they couldn't figure out a way to do it that it wasn't like more expensive to make the transaction than yeah. <laughs> it was to like like the the making. They were making such small transactions that the cost of it was greater than the amount being transferred. Right. Yes. Um, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> uh, do you do you want to talk about the Eisners? Because I did I didn't expect that this got Eisner nominations, but it got several. Uh, I actually I haven't looked at them, but if you have them up, let's uh, let's talk about it. Yeah. So this it actually he receives three Eisner nominations uh, for Superman Adventures. Uh, so he was nominated for best single issue for number three, which is uh, which issue is that? Uh, that is the live wire issue, I believe. No, that's issue five. Oh, issue yeah. three is oh, that's that's the Brainiac one. That's interesting. Oh, huh. well, I mean, um, like like we said, the the like first four and last four pages are some of the best in the in, yes, in the entire there's run. There's definitely good stuff there, and there's yeah, there's lots of other good stuff in there. Uh, he was nominated for best serialized story for issues eleven and twelve, which we've talked about at length. Mm-hmm. And then nominated just for Best Writer for Superman Adventures. So let's see. Uh, so Kurt Busiek's Busiek's Astro City, mm-hmm. Volume Two, Numbers Four to Nine. That's like his for, big uh, love letter to superheroes, basically. Yeah, that that wins Best Serialized Story, and then <laughs> so Issue Four to Nine wins Best Serialized Story, and then Issue Ten wins Best Single Issue. <laughs> uh, good stuff. Um, Astro City wins Best Continuing Series. Batman Long Halloween is Best Limited Series. Uh, surprisingly, Superman Adventures not nominated for 
best comics publication for a younger audience, which Batman and Robin Adventures wins. Hmm. Yeah, that might be uh, what I'm thinking of where uh, Rick Burchett's uh, Eisner comes from. Yeah, it's kind of wild that... So the, the other nominees for Best Writer are Kurt Busiek for Astro City and The Wizard's Tale, James Robinson, our old friend, mm-hmm. for Starman, The Shade, Tangent Comics, and Green Lantern, and Leave It to Chance with Homage Comics. Uh, John Ostrander for The Spectre, Kent's Tangent Comics, and Nightwing. Under, and then, uh, underrated run on The Spectre there for uh, John Ostrander. That's a great, uh, great run. I'd love to do uh, Ostrander sometime. Sure. Uh, and then Adam Scott McCloud the for, just, for just Superman Adventures. And then the winner is Garth Ennis for Hitman, Preacher, Unknown Soldier, Blood Mary, and Lady Liberty. Right. This is, uh, it's, it's 98, right, that he's uh, nominated? Yes, these are the 98 Eisners. Jeff Smith wins again for Best Writer Artist Humor. Mike Mignola wins for Best Writer Artist. Etc. Etc. Alex Ross wins Best Painter. <laughs> yeah, Kelsey Prees. Yeah, um, yeah. No, uh, no Harvey's for him. It looks like. Although, uh, congrats to Scott Adams for his <laughs> nomination for best syndicated strip <laughs> with Dilbert. Uh, that does remind me we didn't talk about it, uh, but I do want to quickly reference Rick Burchett. Now uh, is the regular artist on uh, Funky Winker Bean. <laughs> <laughs> I, I forgot that you did extensive Funky Winker Bean. Well, research the the Beanomatic Winkerverse, as I've come to. <laughs> refer to it oh man i mean if if uh, any listeners out there are regular readers of funky winker bean this will be no news to you but uh our our newspaper only ever carried crankshaft which is a funky winker bean <laughs> spin-off about his high school bus driver uh let's just say the the wikipedia article on funky winker bean is worth a read uh, <laughs> and is is quite quite a ride uh, but yeah, that's that's what uh, Rick Burchett is up to these days. Cheers, cheers to him. Um, yeah. uh, so I, I'm just looking at uh, some of the other nominees. Like '98 is uh, is a pretty big year here, as far as um, you know. Some of some of the immediately identifiable uh, big names running at the time, like I'm seeing Sin City. Um, you, I think you already mentioned Astro City. Uh, I didn't notice that. Uh, yeah, the war, the war within, also nominated for a serialized story. I think you mentioned that already. Maybe good, good stuff. Uh, oh yeah, the long Halloween preacher. Like, there's some, there's some all time classics. Come. Yeah, Kingdom Come. There's some very, very famous uh, stories coming out right about now. Oh yeah, Hellboy as well has uh, hit the scene at this point. Um, that actually brings up an interesting one because Mike Mignola is a creator who I would be interested in doing. Um, (laughs) Well, as a writer, it's most like, there's a few, he did like a Bram Stoker Dracula book and has done like some other um, outside the Hellboy universe things, but mostly it would be Hellboy. But I was thinking as well about like, like it could be fun to do, like I, I would be, I would love to talk about Usagi Yojimbo at some point, but that like we're not going to do a Stan Sakai series because that's pretty much the only thing <laughs> he's he's ever done. But I, I we'll have to one-offs. figure out. Yeah, like I mean, we can't really do a one-off on a series that's been running for like thirty years. <laughs> but yes, we'll we'll have to talk about. Intervene, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, you can't do one episode. <laughs> we'll have to figure out a way to cover some of the, either the creators who like are not really prolific enough to, to do their entire careers or who have like one really notable work or like are prolific, but only on one extremely long running book, th- things like that, that are right. Um, maybe, maybe we'll do like palate cleanser episodes from time to time because like, yeah, well, we're doing the two Gumby annuals after. <laughs> right. I forgot about the Gumby annuals. I'm just turning to like, look at my bookshelf. It, you can probably hear me moving around the microphone. Wow. This uh, is good. Yeah. But like, like we, I feel like we would be remiss if we didn't talk about mouse at some point, but like, I'm not necessarily like, it would be hard to do a Spiegelman series because so much of his stuff is like alternative comics that we would have no way of tracking down. Well, David, that's very interesting. I'm going to have to cut you off. (laughs) Please do. (laughs) It has no relation to the fact that my microphone became unplugged and we lost part of the recording. (laughs) Um, But yes, I'm sure we will figure out some fun and interesting, exciting ways that we can keep bringing our brand (laughs) of thoughtful comics-based podcasting to the masses. But for today, that will have to be all. I'm sorry there was such a short episode. (laughs) Yeah, barely going to crack two hours here. (laughs) Yeah, we really really tried to find a way to hit hit the two-hour mark. uh, (laughs) Didn't quite get there. Hope it's okay with you all. Um, and I, can I just say, I think we deserve a bit of a pat on the back here for talking about Superman for almost two hours and not mentioning the word hope even one time. Hope. Um, oh, wait, that's the rock saying hope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'll include a link to that YouTube video in the episode description. Please do. Um, but yes, for David and for myself, thank you all for listening as usual. Uh, follow us on Parlay. We got banned from Twitter. <laughs> uh, so we're only on there right now. Some really cool people on there that we share opinions with. Mm-hmm. They uh, heard so... they heard me say that I didn't like Batman the Animated Series. And said, <laughs> yeah, you you're going to parlay. parlay. <laughs> you got parlay jail. <laughs> um, but yes, that was it for us today. Uh, thank you. And until next time. We will see you in the letters page. That's pretty good. I don't hate that. Yeah. I'll I'll do a better version next time. But yeah, everyone, they get this version this time. Yeah. Goodbye. Bye.